Did you hear about the explosion at the cheese factory? No. All that's left was debris. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about malpractice insurance. Yeah? Let's do that. Let's do that. Bendy talking. everybody back to the truth about investing back to basics i'm chris holling and i'm sean cooper and we are going to talk about malpractice insurance today yes right yeah okay uh i'm gonna pretend like i know absolutely nothing about it because i you don't have to pretend idea yeah, i don't know anything about i'm it. kidding i'm no, kidding i have no <laughs> idea about it <laughs> I, I know I know it's for for uh, doctors uh, when they yeah. screw up healthcare professionals in general yeah, yeah I guess that's true but I mean a lot of the all right I'm, I'm already gonna fall off on a tangent if I go down that road so okay well, how about I just I've, I'll start off um, I've done quite a few videos in the past and I've relied on Investopedia for definitions fairly frequently mm. which isn't perfect but I actually really appreciate some of their info so if I can, I'll just read that, and then we'll kind of go from there to give everybody a, a definition of what is malpractice, and then we can talk about why it is that we're even talking about it in relation to health, your health insurance. Sure. Fair? Yeah. Yeah, right. fair. Why not? So, according to Investopedia, what is malpractice insurance? Malpractice insurance is a type of professional liability insurance purchased by healthcare professionals. This insurance coverage protects healthcare providers against patients who file suits against them under the complaint that they were harmed by the professional's negligence or intentionally harmful treatment decisions. Malpractice insurance also covers the death of a patient. So a few key take takeaways that they add to that. Malpractice insurance is a type of professional liability insurance intended to cover healthcare professionals. Patients can file lawsuits against healthcare professionals seeking damages for medical negligence that resulted in further health problems or death. Studies show that medical negligence is the third leading cause of death in the United States, so more than likely than not, a healthcare professional will need malpractice insurance. Malpractice insurance can be obtained through a private insurer, through an employer, or through organizations such as medical risk retention groups, RRGs. Two basic types of professional liability insurance are claims-made policies or occurrence policies. And finally, legal costs, punitive damages, and medical damages are all covered under malpractice insurance. Okay. Okay. So let's firm grasp. Let's 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 put that in the in the tiny box form so that I actually retain this because that there's a lot of a lot of good things. I, I think I got it. So okay. we've got that this uh, that malpractice insurance is in place for uh, negligence. So if if a doctor is not taking care of a patient and not giving a treatment when they are supposed to, then that's negligence, right? Touch on that. As well as healthcare providers that might be under the doctor's license, that if they are negligent or they give an improper treatment based on their policies, based on uh, the proper order of things. They—that's what malpractice insurance is for. For those, right? 
Yeah. And uh, then you also mentioned what? You what? What was the next one? I'm just dumbing them all down for me. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, you just said. Oh, two basic types: claims made uh, policies and occurrence policies. Okay, uh, break that down for me then. So. Uh, this actually applies to most uh, professional liability policies. So like from in my business, I have uh, errors and emissions insurance and claims made versus occurrence made just means what they're willing to cover. So under a claims made policy, you have to have coverage when the claim is made, whereas under an occurrence policy, you have to have coverage when the occurrence happens. Gotcha. Okay. So it just de- determines whether or not it's that your current liability is going to cover it, your current insurance is going to cover it, or past insurance, or neither if you somehow screwed that up. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. I think I'm caught up. Did I miss anything else? No, I think you're good. All right. Moving forward. So why are we talking about this in relation to your health insurance? Well, because one of the big themes that we've been talking about all along is the overall cost of healthcare, the cost of insurance, And believe it or not, this is actually a very large factor. God, look at you wrapping stuff up and putting all a little bow on it. You don't even need me here. You're doing great. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. As we've said before, I get boring and dull and you're like sort of. If you're not here, though, it's okay. So just sort of boring. Okay. Like you know how how when you when you got a horse and a carriage and every once in a while you just need to give the give the horse a little tap, a little. A little, oh, okay. little crack that's you. over the top. You're right. the driver. Right. You got the... Thanks. Other, I'm, not, I'm not sure I appreciate that analogy. Well, you should, because otherwise you're going to take the cart over to this patch of grass and hang out, and like we're just we're just going to talk grass for <laughs> No, I'm a highly trained horse here. I, I go from... You're, I've been told to go from point A to point B, and I do it. You're such a trained horse. You do so good. Yeah. <laughs> Moving All on. right, enough of that. All right, so um, in regards to the the cost of this, so if you own any type of business, you have an idea of what it is to have some type of uh, professional liability insurance. What I have the feeling you are going to be surprised at is how just how much medical malpractice insurance actually costs. On average, and this is for an individual, not for a group of doctors or the en- entire clinic or hospital or anything like this, for an individual, $7,500 annually. And Ew. that is average. Okay. All right. If you start getting into areas of expertise where there is a higher risk, you're like a surgeon, for example, you're actually looking at an average somewhere closer to thirty to fifty thousand dollars per year. Oh wow. Yeah. So huge. And again, that that also varies based on a number of other factors like uh where you are actually located and as well as um what type of uh specialty you are in. So different surgeons even or different specialists are going to have different averages. So to give you a, a better idea of that, um, I'm, the worst one to be in is to be an obstetrician or a gynecologist. And so, and then in terms of locations, so for example, on the low end, gynecologist in California is going to pay almost fifty thousand a year for their medical malpractice insurance. On the high end, 
in New York, the average is $215,000 a year? per year. Yeah. Per Jeez. year. For and one person. Is this is this coming out of uh say the the doctor like whoever whoever the doctor is and we'll we'll just kind of ignore private practice or whatever. Say say you're a doctor Okay, maybe I'm making it too complicated. Does this come out of the doctor's day-to-day salary, or is this lumped into the business expenses, or where does that get taken out of? Uh, it'll really depend on uh, how you're set up. So a doctor that's part of a hospital or a big network, then the hospital's probably paying it, and then they're paying the doctor a salary. Okay. And they're telling the doctor how many people to see. For a private practice, that's coming out of their income. Okay. So why is this so expensive? Uh, why, why is this such a large chunk of a doctor's annual expenses? And that really has to do with the number of malpractice suits um, and the, the awards for those, from those suits. So a bunch of different statistics come into play here, but um, Be a few of the... <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Um to get you an idea, the average doctor will be sued once every seven years. Okay. That's just to give you an idea of how often doctors are sued. Yeah. And that's not to say that doctors are necessarily making lots of mistakes, although they are human. They're not going to be perfect all the time. We all make mistakes, and yet, for some reason, we seem to forget that. Um but when it comes to uh, healthcare professionals, there's certainly a, a higher rate of lawsuits. And part of that stems from the fact that they are a relatively easy target that is perceived to have lots of money. And uh, that perception stems oftentimes from this malpractice insurance that's going to ultimately pay out the awards in cases. But uh, there's a couple different areas I want to address in that regard. And the first is uh, with regard to the, the cases themselves. So statistically speaking, court, um, cases that go to actually go to court, physicians actually win about 80% of those, suggesting that there's a very high percentage of malpractice insurance cases that are frivolous. In other words, that should never have been a case in the first place. Sure. Now, obviously, there are instances where doctors have legitimately screwed up and patients should be compensated for those. And so obviously, you know, this all needs to be uh, in place. Um, But there are definitely uh, quite a few frivolous cases going on, and that's driving up the costs that effectively everyone in the healthcare industry ends up having to absorb and ends up ultimately being passed on to the consumers of healthcare. Um, With that said, so going back to the overall cost and why this malpractice insurance is so expensive is because of the payouts. And when I said that 80% of cases that go to court, the the physicians win, that gives you a very, very small percentage of the overall cases. So that's only about 10% of cases. And I say that because literally 90% of cases are settled out of court. So they don't even go to court. Okay. 
And the reason for that is multifold. Number one, the awards when they a court case is won are very, very high. At the average is actually over a million dollars for court case awards. Oh, wow. And secondly, going to court is incredibly expensive because not only are you paying for the, the doctor's attorneys, if you lose, you end up paying for the um, plaintiff's attorneys, um, and you're paying for all the court costs. So it all adds up really, really quick. I guess, I guess my question about that is, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but if, if the purchase of the malpractice insurance is happening from the side of the doctor, whether it's happening in the business or it's happening from the doctor's salary or however they have it arranged, I, I understand that everything kind of trickles down in a way and it's likely to affect what we pay as a consumer but Mm -hmm. how does that affect us is it because they are adjusting patient treatment cost in order to compensate for having the malpractice insurance did that make sense did i yes did i I use english okay yeah so any business in order to maintain profitability and i don't care if we're talking about healthcare or any other business any cost that they absorb is ultimately going to have to make, be passed on to the consumer. If it's not, then the business is not going to be profitable and it will go bankrupt. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's basically that simple. So it, it all kind of turns around and um, that's why I was kind of addressing the whole frivolous lawsuit concept because all of those frivolous lawsuits create costs that ultimately all of us bear. Gotcha. Okay. Um, The other thing I was going to say is um, looking at why cases typically don't go to court. The average settlement cost, so settling out of court or settlement uh, award is $425,000. Oh, geez. So by compare, which is a lot, absolutely. But compare that to over a million dollars plus the expenses of the attorneys and the court costs and all that stuff, and it actually ends up saving quite a bit. And part of what goes into this is it's actually the malpractice insurance that is covering those attorney fees and court costs and the award. So from a physician standpoint, you want to uh, defend your name, what you've done, and if you believe that, you know, you could win in court because there it really is no case, even if you believe that and even if um, you, you probably would have won, oftentimes the malpractice is going to want to settle just because the net impact on average is going to be cheaper to settle than it will be to go to court. So you end up with a lot of cases that may have been frivolous that still settle just because it's cheaper to do so. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, which again, I think personally creates a problem in terms of the overall cost and uh, not really utilizing the legal system the way it was intended to be. Um, but that that is the bulk of what I wanted to cover is, you know, what is malpractice insurance? Why do doctors need it? Um, what are the costs associated with it? And how does that all impact us? So... Okay, so we, we know anything that it's a, else you yeah yeah go we ahead. know we know that it's a business expense and we know that it's it's somewhat inevitable uh, because it's going to be part of the business business has to take consideration into how much it's going to be 
they create their wages through the insurance company. They create their wages based on how they're going to have to be able to pay out and also run a business because they need to be able to settle out when they can and save money where they have the opportunity and pay out when they have to because they are also a business. And so that <laughs> goes to the doctor and then the doctor pays X amount of money and because he pays so much money or however much it is, then he has to push that on to the patient. Uh, so is there is there a solution to this? Is there is there something is it just a, a cost of doing business? Is there something that in theory long term might be able to help bring down costs across the board? Is I mean, um, there have been lots of different concepts discussed. Uh, one of them is putting caps on awards for court cases. So basically, you know, that, that average that's over a million dollars actually putting a cap, say, at 500000 or 750000 But the problem with that is then you're generalizing with uh, regard to all cases and you're saying, okay, this is the most that it's ever going to pay out. And so in really extenuating circumstances where... Uh, you have a, a death that impacted lots of people or something along those lines, or maybe it's a, uh, you know, one of those very few physicians that is actually doing something horrible to uh, lots of patients, then you create different issues in trying to create that blanket rule, ruling. And uh, that part of that defeats the purpose of the, the legal system and being able to file a suit. Um, it would certainly solve a lot of the potentially a lot of the mal, um, sorry the uh, frivolous lawsuits in my opinion, but it, it creates some additional issues. Um, another solution that I think might be more effective would be to have the losing party in a court case uh, cover all attorney fees. So meaning a patient who brings a, a suit against a doctor that is determined to be frivolous and loses that case not only has to pay their attorney fees, but also has to pay the attorney fees of the, the doctor or the practice. I think that could potentially reduce frivolous lawsuits dramatically because patients would only filing a suit in instances where they are very uh, confident that they would win because it truly was the doctor's fault and not their own. On the opposite end of that, if if they were concerned about uh, going through with the case and, and just knowing that they don't have the money to put up front for it, uh, Especially because that amount is now going to increase if you're also considering the cost fee, the the cost of the attorney on the other end as well. Do you think that that would also discourage some legitimate medical cases in the process? Or potentially, yeah, potentially. Um, I, I think what you'll have in that instance is, I think attorneys will be. Um, much more sensitive to the cases that they recommend. Mm, okay. So, um, you know, we've all heard the the concept of the ambulance chaser. Yeah. You know, the the guy that just wants to, the attorney that's just going after any case where he's like, oh, well, I can sue this person for you and get you this award and all that kind of thing. I think it would get get rid of that 
whereas you'd be left with um, attorneys that are only recommending cases where they're very, very likely to win. And in addition to that, they'd be far more likely to charge their fees based on percentage of award as opposed to hourly or retainer or anything like that. So the um, plaintiff attorney would not be charging any type of hourly fee or anything along those lines. So if they lost the case, the plaintiff would not have any fees associated with their attorney and the attorney would make no money. So the attorneys are not going to recommend cases they didn't truly believe they could win. Interesting. Yeah. I so, so, so yes, I think there would be there is that risk that you were talking about where uh, legitimate cases might not be filed, but I think it will be uh, lessened to the extent that attorneys will adapt accordingly. Interesting. And then the like you're talking about because the plaintiff side wouldn't make any money, uh, then that way that attorney isn't going to be due any money. But the defense attorney that is going to be due money at that point, yes. would that come from the uh, the original plaintiff and not the the representative of, of the plaintiff, where they would have to pay right. out for it? Gotcha. Yes, under the. What I was suggesting, yes. And the reason for that is, so if we took, based on current scenario, the the plaintiff and say the attorney is going to be paid only based on the award that's paid out, so probably 30% or something along those lines. Under that scenario, the plaintiff is going to have basically no risk in the case. Their worst case scenario is they get nothing out of it. Their best case scenario is they get hundreds of thousands of dollars right so that encourages lawsuits whereas if there there is some risk that if they lose then they have costs to absorb that reduces the chances of frivolous lawsuits yeah i guess i was starting to wonder if maybe maybe also the the plaintiff representative taking on some of those costs was a good choice but i I don't think that that's entirely necessary if this is the the new plan, so to speak, because then at that point, he, she, whoever the the representative is, uh, would be, uh, I essentially say, wasting their time, like working for free for a period of time. Right. And so I wouldn't even consider it something that they need to upfront the cost with either. It's just something yeah. that they're they would have to work out on their own. That's interesting. Right. And then uh, obviously another solution kind of gets lumped into the whole concept that we'll discuss next week, which is um, uh, universal health care. Right. And some of those options in which basically the government takes over. And in that scenario, then there isn't really uh, malpractice insurance in the traditional form so much as there is a government pool of insurance that will uh, cover these types of lawsuits um, so that it's no longer on the doctors per se, although their pay is still based on it to a degree. Um, and I, I can't imagine that will actually help control costs so much because then you have the government that wants to get reelected saying, no, sure. we're not going to pay out more than X amount and right. things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, 
it, it has its advantages and disadvantages, but that is another potential solution. Yeah, and I, I, I guess that was going to be my next question was, and maybe maybe we need to save it for the future part. But in in the case of a universal healthcare approach, you're saying that it's not going to eliminate malpractice insurance. It would just be a different form of it, maybe possibly. Most likely, yeah. Most likely, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it could still, depending on which form of uh, universal coverage we were to adopt, and the, if we were to adopt a universal healthcare system, it would depend on which kind we adopted, whether or not uh, it would significantly impact malpractice insurance and whether it continued in its existing form or whether or not government basically took it over. Well, then let's put in a fancy little note here. Uh, malpractice insurance also... So could you hear all the tapping? I was trying to be really loud with the tapping. Did it Did it work? Oh, okay. Uh, a little. Okay. Uh, because now we have it listed in there for the future episode for people to come back and listen about universal health care and the continuation of malpractice insurance. Well, then, ladies and gentlemen, if you come and return back to hear about how malpractice insurance gets involved in universal health care, then you should come back to listen to our universal health care podcast and what that is and what it's all about. Because I am Chris Holling. And I'm Sean Cooper. And thank you again for taking the time to better yourself and listening to the truth about investing back to basics. I'm using my radio voice. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> it's great. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. Podcast disclaimer disclaimer. The disclaimer following this disclaimer is the disclaimer that is required for this podcast to be up and running and fully functioning and moving forward. This is going to be the same disclaimer that you will hear in each one of our episodes. We hope you enjoy it just as much as we enjoyed making it. All content on this podcast and accompanying transcript is for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed herein by Sean Cooper are solely those of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, unless otherwise specifically cited. Chris Holling, that's me, is not affiliated with Fi Financial Consulting, LLC, nor do the views expressed by Chris Holling, me again, represent the views of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC. This podcast is intended to be used in its entirety. Any other use beyond the author's intent, distribution, or copying of its contents of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Nothing in this podcast is intended as legal, accounting, or tax advice and is for informational purposes only. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. This podcast may reference links to websites for the convenience of our users. Our firm has no control over the accuracy or content of these other websites. Advisory services are offered through Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, an investment advisor firm registered in the states of Washington and Colorado. 
The presence of this podcast on the internet shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by our firm in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without our first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. For information concerning the status or disciplinary history of a broker-dealer, investment advisor, or other representatives, a consumer should contact their state securities administrator. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta sell it. Gotta sell it. Oh yeah, Yeah, that's that's a great idea. (laughs) that's why you're here well then ladies and gentlemen if you make sure to come join us on this next episode in universal healthcare we will continue a (laughs) there will be a continuation of the malpractice insurance and how it affects and how dang it okay hold on words um 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 We've been making custard lately. Oh, so good. Fancy. Mm. Yeah, dark chocolate, super rich. Oh. Might have it's to good stuff. Might have to do you, do you use like a like an ice cream maker for it or anything? Or you just Yeah. Yeah. You, much, much easier. You might uh, have it comes to, out creamier. Might have to send me but, the, the recipe because I do try to make ice cream with my folks every once in a while when I get the chance. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a pain because you have to like cook it and do multiple steps and stuff like that because it's custard, not ice cream. Right. But it's so worth it in the end. And uh, I've been deprived of my Freddy's custard. So. Oh, need to, need yeah. to get your fix. Picture That's you, right. Picture you like Got addicted it. while I was in Colorado and now I don't have it. <laughs> I'm just picturing you like twitching. You're like custard, 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 custard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a beautiful wedding. Even the cake was in tears. (laughs) (laughs) Play on words. That would be sad if it was actually crying, though. It would imply that it was, you know. Tears of joy. It's okay. Yeah, but if your cake is running like that, that's not a good sign. So, okay, one time, uh, Katie... Uh, so, I, I had to, for, for work, I had to make cakes. Like, that was the rule, okay. is that every first you had to, you had to make a cake and bring in ice cream. And it had to be Bluebell, and the cake had to be made. Of because course. Because if you brought in a store-bought cake, there was, there was a long list of problems. And uh, This was in Texas, I'm assuming, yes, right, for Bluebell? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And... Um, so uh, I, I make cakes, you know, two, three times a week. And wow. uh, finally, Katie was like, well, I came across this, this great recipe for this cake that I want to make. So can I, can I please make it for you? I'm like, yeah, that sounds, sounds great. And I, I had to get up at like 3.30 in the morning. So I went to bed. And right around like midnight, she's poking me. She's like, I, I need you to come downstairs. <laughs> and, and I come downstairs and... In, in case you're a cake connoisseur, 
um, one of the things to learn is that when you pull a cake out of the oven and you try to do tears and you try to ice it and do these things, if you do it while it's hot, then it will just oh, melt. Yeah. And so you need yep. to chill it or leave it out or a multitude of things. And this was early in, in her cake making days. And so there was just this like volcano thing that was just slowly sifting to the sides that it, it looked beautiful-ish. <laughs> there was <laughs> there was fruit there was some nice icing had some good color to it and it was just sinking so we had like uh, so i i had to improvise and uh make my cake like early in the morning the next day and and make it at work i think and and i had to improvise it that way but uh we for the remainder of the week had our own personal bowl of cake that we were able to eat at any <laughs> bowl point of cake, right? <laughs> <laughs> bowl of mush cake, <laughs> like a like a cake Buddha bowl is kind of what it was. Oh jeez. 